Welcome back to another edition of the Waking the Red Weekly post-game show presented by Footy Talks. My name is Michael Singh, and you know I'm the lone musketeer here today, but I I got a super sub. I, I reached into my back pocket, into our into our depth, and we uh, we're bringing that along Brady Reed, who joins me here to my right. Uh, Brady, how you doing today? I'm good, buddy. I appreciate uh, the kind words and, and for having me off the bench here. Of course, man. Of course. Late minute, or I guess second half sub. You're going to make a late impact in this, but happy to have you along. Um, hey, this week uh, we're talking about a way more interesting game, I think, than last week, uh, at least from a Toronto FC perspective. It's definitely a better result. Uh, obviously, they finished 2-2 to the Vancouver Whitecaps. Uh, they wrapped up about 30 minutes ago. I was just on the post-game press conference as well. Um, and a couple takeaways from there. But before we do that, let's get started with uh, breaking down the starting 11 that Chris Armas threw out there today. So if you missed it, he went with Alex Bono at the back uh, in goal, of course. And then you have Richie Larea, Luke Singh, Omar Gonzalez and Aro, Michael Bradley, Marky Delgado. I guess Mark Delgado. I got to, again, work on that one. Uh, Nick DeLeon, um, Noble Akello, Jaden Nelson, and Patrick Mullins. Brady, for you, first takeaway from, from the starting 11, what did you notice? Yeah, obviously exciting to see Jaden get an opportunity in the 11. Um, he comes off at, at the halfway mark. I think that's probably a tactical decision. I don't know if that's something Armis was kind of pressed on after. You might have some intel there. Um the the Delion Mullins combination uh, in a pressing system, I was I was a little bit worried, and and you see neither of those guys finish the game, and I think that that was probably by design. So you know, get get some first first choice guys some minutes before before the midweek game, and I mean, we knew there was going to be rotation. You guys talked about this on Tuesday, and so it, it wasn't all terrible. It was it was a little flat at times, but I, I think you know when you're you don't you know you're not using the same 11 week in week out game in game out that's that's going to happen and and like you said at the end of the day pretty good result all things considered yeah i think armis found a good mix here of consistency while also you know injecting some some different pieces here into the starting lineup mm-hmm. uh the news i guess that broke during the match for me i, I t- took it away from luke wildman i think has said it was ralph preso and why he was sort of absent from this lineup squad in general and I th- apparently he picked up a little minor quad injury, nothing right. too serious, but that's another one you kind of add to that TFC casualty list, which also added Liam Frazier, who yeah. also wasn't available. But some positive news is that they had some people come back. And of course, I'm talking about Jonathan Osorio, Josie Altador, Iowa Canola. All three of those guys were available off the bench for Toronto FC and eventually did make their way into this match. Um, but again, you know, it, it's... Early on, they have a game on Tuesday. I'm not expecting TFC to roll out the strongest 11 right now, especially when t- Tuesday's match is probably a little bit more important. Yeah. So let's let's move on here. Let's let's talk about, you know, early on, <laughs> Luke Singh. Mm-hmm. Luke Singh finding his way onto the score sheet after a nice little run of play from Jaden Nelson. I'll see if I can bring up the video here for you guys to see. Um, there's Jaden Nelson on the right-hand side. He's sending the ball into the middle. I think Patrick Mullins gets his head on it. Omar Gonzalez knocks the ball back across. And of course it's, it's Luke saying, uh, you know, getting on the end of it and connecting. And I guess that would have been a hard chance to miss, but he did the job and look what that means to him. 
look what that means to him and look what that means to to the players. That's it's a special moment for the young kid, especially after just signing his first team contract. He had a bit of a howler against Montreal and it must have been so gratifying for him to score that goal and it must have done a lot for his confidence. What did you make of the goal, Brady? Yeah, as you mentioned, obviously not the best performance for for Luke last week, but you know, that's part of the playing your kids. These growing pains are, are are all part of the process. And I think, you know, Mitch Tierney touched on that on Twitter so well. And yeah, obviously, you know, a month ago this guy probably didn't think he was gonna be playing professional football with TFC, let alone, you know, scoring a, a go ahead goal against Vancouver and uh ended up being a pretty important one too. And so you know, great, great for him. Not necessarily what uh, he's in the eleven to do, but by all means, you'll take him wherever you can get them. It's crazy to think that TFC have scored twice both weekends now, and have only managed one point. You know, it's, you know, most times this team scores two goals. You would think they're at least good for a point, but typically three. So I thought that was interesting, to be honest. That's a good point. I think their yeah. biggest issue last year, and I think that's why they went out and and got an attacking designated player. And I think Bill Manning and Ali Curtis have both voiced this was that. They struggled to score at times. They struggled to find that key goal that they needed. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, this this season, it seems like there's some other issues, I'm sure, which we'll get to soon enough, uh, that they need to tighten up there. But like you said, at least one problem is fixed. Let's try and let's try and clean up everything else now. That's the goal, right? Um, what did you make of Luke Singh's performance overall today? I thought he was a lot better than, than last week. And I'm not... Too too surprised just based on the way he played in the in the two legged tie in, in Concacaf action a few weeks back. I thought he was really strong, brave in the air, very positionally sound actually for a young player, which I think is is super important. Um, obviously, you know, playing him and and Gonzalez week in week out is is probably going to be tough, but it's just the situation right now. A lot of injuries. Once we can get Mavinga back in the mix, I think that'll help, and I think that'll help Singh too to get you know, a look with another player. Omar is not necessarily the most flight of foot guy at this point in his career, unfortunately. He's, he brings a lot to the game in, in other facets. And you see what he can do in the air, the way he knocked the ball down at the back post there for, for that goal for Singh. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, he's a guy that I think he's going to get consistent minutes down the stretch here. He's, he's certainly earned it. Yes, he had a bad game last week, but you know, he's a young player and a young defender, which is, you know, I think center back is are you the hardest position to make that transition to the pro level? And so for me, he's been a pleasant surprise. He wasn't a guy I necessarily had on the radar. So, Yeah, for sure. I think he surprised a lot of people. And like you said, he's, he's made a name for himself here and probably makes Armis's decision a little bit tougher down the stretch. I'm not saying he takes Chris Mavinga or Omar Gonzalez as starting spot in the 11, but what about Eric Zavaleta? Mm-hmm. Does he compete with Eric Zavaleta now with, for minutes? We know what Zavs can bring. But has Luke Singh showed enough? That, that's going to be the question. I'm not going to put you on the spot there because I don't think you and I have the answer to that. Um, but it's something that Chris Armas will have to keep in the back of his mind for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving on, of course, I don't think we need to show this goal, but it was the penalty um, that TFC gave up. Um, we don't have video of the penalty here, but what did you make of the call? It, initial reactions was was no penalty. Uh after seeing the replay, like it, it definitely wasn't one where VAR was going to intervene, was it? Like it's not a, it's not a clear and obvious error. He's made a judgment call that that Richie's carves him down there, and uh, he, he put himself in the spot. Like when you're when, when you're on the back end of a guy and you're going to stick a leg in like that, like has Cavallini made the most of it? Sure, but you know who who wouldn't in that position? To be quite honest, if that was 
if that was Josie, they're both, you know, big burly guys, they probably could have stayed on their feet, but why not take a spot kick and, and tie the game, right? So I I don't feel too bad having seen a few replays of that one. Um, you know, unfortunate that Richie got caught in that position, but I don't have a I don't have a big issue with the call, honestly. Yeah, I'd agree with you there. And it was a little questionable for sure, but at the end of the day, like there's there's enough contact there for him to go down. Richie puts his body across or his leg across Lucas Cavallini. From the ref standpoint, that's a tough one not to call, um, especially when you know Cavadilly is going down like that. And like you said, there's there's enough in there that VAR can't return that or overturn that. So yeah, no issue with that. And and Bono almost getting his fingertips to that penalty, which was you know a fantastic penalty, unstoppable, unstoppable yeah. penalty. No goalies in the world stopping that penalty. No. But credit to Bono who guessed the right way and actually got kind of close. So, um, but. It wasn't all good news, I guess, for Toronto FC moving on. Um, this was this was the third goal here for Vancouver, or second goal for Vancouver, third goal of the match. And TFC getting scored off a set piece once again. Uh, the brother-in-law, of course, of Michael Bradley getting up and finding the space there at the back. If you watch the replay here, one thing I do want to point out it's Luke Singh getting a pick that's set on him. Mm-hmm. And that's what sort of creates the space here for, uh, was it Rose? I think that it was his name. I, I actually forgot the name off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. But yeah. regard, regardless, yeah. So Luke Singh gets a pick set on him. Um, Omar Gonzalez looks like he's kind of recovering here, but you can't really fart, fault Omar uh, there for you know yeah. that goal, other than the fact that he gave up the free kick which was a pretty brutal foul to give up, but he's the one that's looked like he's left scrambling here. I think that's sort of a testament to, to what Omar has had to do, I guess, um, since he's, he's been in the lineup. It's sort of kind of recover for Luke Singh at times, and that's, that's a tough role because Luke Singh's not perfect. Um, he's done a great, great job, but Omar is also covering up a lot of ground for Luke Singh, um, and he's obviously like an easy scapegoat because of... I guess sort of the season that he had last season, the end of the season that he had question marks about what he can sort of, if he's getting a little bit older, is he slowing down a little bit and does this style of play suit him? So I want to get your thoughts there on Omar Gonzalez, because a lot of TSC fans are pointing to him as, as sort of one of the scapegoats here. Yeah, I think, you know, like the, you mentioned the foul itself, obviously not ideal, but you know, anytime a center back is, is getting stretched that wide to, to come and, and challenge somebody, like, that's that's not ideal. Something's happened there. I guess Richie's been pushed up the pitch. I don't exactly remember the scenario, but, you know, like, I know there was a couple shouts in the in the chat there about that possibly even being a red. And just because of how wide it was in the field, I'm not sure it's a red, but it was, it was pretty reckless and honestly a little bit unnecessary. And it just felt like one of those ones that was going to end up biting them, right? And so... No, uh, no question marks about the delivery from Gutierrez. I thought, you know, from a Canadian perspective, uh, really exciting performance from him. And, you know, arguably a man of the match candidate two games in a row for Vancouver. And if Ali Adnan's fit and available, he might not even be on the field. So that's that's interesting too. But, yeah, I don't know. Like, I feel like I notice Omar uh, from, a, from a dead ball standpoint a lot more offensively just because he's such a target, but sometimes has a little bit of a tendency to perhaps lose a man. I'm not sure that was the case in that scenario, but... For a guy who has his experience and his size, like you, you want to be a lot more assured at the back uh, with when it comes to dead ball situations, which to an extent is becoming a little bit of an issue for sure. And then you've got Bono, who's just a massive keeper as well. And I'm, I'm not blaming him on that one by any means, but it's just 
it seems like the communication and the understanding is not quite where it should be. Yeah, some some great points there. And I guess Omar, with his size, if he's not bringing the pace, yeah. you got to be able to bring something off set pieces and ensure that you're the guy cleaning up there. Um, again, like I'll be the first person to protect Omar Gonzalez. He's done great since he's come here. He's brought results um, since he's arrived. Like, go look at the record with Omar Gonzalez in the lineup. The results speak for themselves. Um, he's also not playing beside Chris Mavinga, who's who's no offense to Luke Singh, but Chris Mavinga is the best center back on this team, and he's a way better center back than Luke Singh. Um, he's also a different type of center back too, where he can cover more ground, which is sort of the opposite to Omar. And that's what Omar sort of feeds off of. Um, they have a great chemistry going. So before we get too quick here to judge Omar, I think we should point out the fact that we can't really judge him fairly unless he's playing beside Chris Mavinga. That yeah. being said, if there is an issue, if there is an area that I do want TSD to address moving forward, I think it is that center back position. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that, Brady? Yeah, that was a that was a popular uh, call on Twitter when you know we announced we were going to go live here too. A couple people had mentioned that. I don't think it ever hurts, but I, I will say like you know we haven't really seen an extended Mavinga Gonzalez pairing like you said. I think that I think that communication, that familiarity is super important at that position for sure. And then we haven't seen Julian Dunn at all yet either. And I know he's a guy that you know I've I've, I've liked in his in his lone stints and in his limited opportunities with with the first team and with TFC two as well. And so. You know, you, you throw Luke Singh in the mix and, and he does more than get the job done for you. Julian Dunn was probably that young guy at the beginning of the year that thought you would think would be the guy getting the minutes. So I wouldn't mind seeing a little bit of Julian Dunn before you, you splash the cash on the center back. But you you're going to have to wait, though, Brady. You're, he's yeah. going to be out for at least four more games, at least. Yeah. Plus, I think the injury is a little bit more, I don't want to say long, long term, but it's a little bit more longer term. And, mm-hmm. and I'm not too sure again what to make of the injury, but right. it's. I think that's part of the reason why they signed Luke Singh is because they didn't have Julian Dunn to turn to. So mm-hmm. I agree with you. I, like signing a new center back would take minutes away from Julian Dunn, mm-hmm. but you also have to think ahead and and what's going to happen after Omar Gonzalez is Luke Singh and Julian Dunn going to be enough to sort of supplement the the team at the back? Yeah. Perhaps, perhaps they can grow into that role, but. Good point. Yeah. Right now, it's just a little bit of an unknown co- commodity, but that's just my my two cents there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Let's move on. Let's move on. Let's talk about uh, <laughs> one of the wildest goals I think I have ever seen. Um, it's so fitting. It's so MLS. But here's Jonathan Osorio's game tying goal. Um there on the right. He's cutting it back to Michael Bradley, who swings a ball in takes a couple of deflections and luckily Ozo who was making that run, he finds himself at the six yard box and just one-on-one with the keeper and the post game press conference. He actually told us he sort of scuffed the shot and he sort of (laughs) messed up the shot and had enough spin on it to sort of put it by the goalie, which is kind of lucky. Bizarre though. Bizarre. But that being said, Hey, Ozo, welcome back. We'll take it. How we'll get it or how we can get it. Right. Oh, 100%. I mean, make Armis look like a genius, too. You bring also in for, for some minutes for fitness, and he ends up being the guy who gets that goal, which is hilarious. He's he's offside as well, but it's a, it's a back pass, so he gets away with it. The ball in from Bradley's not even good. Like, it's, it you know, from a from a Vancouver perspective, you're frustrated to concede such a such a silly goal, but it's unfortunate, too, right? It's a bad clearance. Like, you could say, oh, they should have communicated better, but 
you know, when you're, I, I can tell you, like when you're sitting on a lead like that, you're not thinking, you're just thinking hoof it and, and let's just, let's breathe and get out here. And then, unfortunately it, it hits a, I think it was Baldizimo who, who eats that one to the face there. And then Oso's in behind and it's two, two. And so from a TFC perspective, you know, we're not looking for push cash award winners. We're looking for the first point of the year. So let's, let's take that to the bank a hundred percent. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, I don't know how we're Oso would rank that in terms of, goals that he's scored in his career but i'm sure it's right up near the top oh yeah yeah, it's right up near the top quality quality stuff (laughs) um but yeah you know at the end of the day tfc they uh there was a big save actually before we move on this in the 94th minute again omar gonzalez getting caught in transition and lucas cavallini puts the ball over to the middle i forget who the the forward was who was going on and tacking that but alex bono coming up with a big save after what really was a shaky game from him what did you make of that save Brady oh massive like I, I think it was Raposo it might have been his first touch of the game to be honest he had just come on there and You're right yeah and so like, you know he's in behind fresh legs and you know talking about 95 minutes in the sun for Omar he's he's nowhere to be found at that point and no but that, that's like I mentioned earlier about Bono and his huge frame like people sometimes question him with regards to playing with his feet or it feels like you know, at times his positional awareness is not what Westberg's is, but when you're that big, like, I'm not sure that's a save that Q can make, to be honest. He's, he's just, he's gotten across and that it, it's a well-placed finish from Raposo. It's not even a really a criticism of him. I think Dos Santos said that in the presser after the game, he was sure that that was, that was the winner right there for Ryan, but I don't think that could be understated. Yeah. Huge for Bono. Was a lot of talk last week after they concede four to Montreal about, about him getting to start again today, but considering he, he's almost stopped that penalty and then he's made that save to preserve a point. I think he deserves a lot of credit in this as well. Yeah. I think we'd be talking about this match a little bit differently had that gone in. But I think again, that the main problem with Toronto FC right now is defending transition. Mm-hmm. Why? I guess we know why it's because Armas plays the high press. They play aggressive. They try to stop the ball where it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, they tried not to let people behind them, but then when people do get behind, TFC have been really exposed without Chris Mavinga there at the back to cover up some of that ground. You see on on that play in particular, you see Omar Gonzalez once again. I saw that play coming from a mile away. Mm-hmm. I saw Omar Gonzalez step up. He missed. Raposo turned him, and he was making a run for a while. Cavallini obviously saw that as well and played like a no-look pass through the middle. Um, and then it's just chasing down Raposo from there, and that's just a, a chase that Omar Gonzalez is never going to win. It's a race. He's never going to win. Um, so that's definitely an area that they need to address. And that's something Chris Armas kind of spoke candidly about in the pro game presser. He said, you know, this team did show up on the day, but there are a few times, again, they got caught in transition. And it's not a, a matter of intensity or a lack of focus or anything like that. Mm-hmm. It's more so just cleaning up some silly mistakes. And I think this team could do that. They're on the right track. Um, it sounds like everybody's buying into Chris Armas's vision. Um Again, though, it's just about cleaning it up, and I I, I can't stress again this again this point again enough. How much is Chris Mavinga going to help this team? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's a sneaky, quick defender, right? Like he's whether Omar is is, is slowing down or not. Like Mavinga is like he, he's got to be one of the quicker center backs in the league for me. And then I think it's worth noting too that that at that stage of the game, Oral's off the pitch and. He has a real knack for for cleaning up and tucking in when he needs to. And 
at this point in his career, that's not really Justin Morrow's thing. He actually starts the game as a midfielder off the bench, which we've seen a couple times now. But yeah, I see people complaining too about about Richie, you know, like getting caught in, in these transition moments. It always seems to be Richie's that's up the pitch, but that's clearly by design. He's he's only playing in the system, right? Like that's that's Ironman's trying to get the most out of Richie. But I agree with you 100%. Like I'm not full on panic button about the center back situation just because I think moving is clearly the best defender this team has. And so until if, if he comes back and there's still, you know, there's, there's some leakiness at the back and then perhaps, you know, Omar's run beside Mavinga is not necessarily as, as solidified as it was the, the last two years and then explore options. And if you can bring in a guy like Omar on, on a deal, like we got Omar, because that was you know, a bit of a steal in itself. It'd be silly to not explore that at the very least a hundred percent. Yeah. They're, I guess salary budget is obviously the main issue right now, especially when you consider they're they're going to be bringing in the third designated player. Yeah. Um, so I don't know how much wiggle room they have there to do that. I think that's a move that might have to wait until the summer. Yeah. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see if this team feels like it's an urgent need. Perhaps there's a trade they can make, acquire a little bit more allocation money. Our funnest funnest topic here in MLS is allocation money and the salary budget. But um, yeah, man, like, again, I don't really know. I don't really think there's too much definitive statements we can make about this game. They're still learning about this team. Reminder that, again, this is a team that had no designated players in the starting 11. Zero. And one of those designated players is is the reigning MVP in Alejandro Pozuelo. And he was the most important player for Toronto FC last season. I think he started every regular season match. So I still think we don't really know exactly what this team look, look, looks like. But what we did get a taste of today was Josie Altador and Io Akinola up top together for the first time. What did you make of their performances? Yeah, not too too much to take from it, just based on sample size and kind of state of the game. But super encouraging to see that Armas is, is even considering that as an option. That might be something, you know, we could see off the hop, not necessarily this week coming, but you know, moving forward, that's that's certainly quite a two-headed monster up top. Just two guys who are both target men, both ruthless finishers, and not really a combo we've seen a ton of based on past experiences, injuries, that sort of thing. But, yeah, I mean, like, it, it was hard to really assess too much. They were sitting pretty deep, weren't they, at that point? Their goal was very much, like, against the run of play. But I just think it's encouraging that, that, that they're both healthy and fit because, like I said, how many times have we even – seen that in the, in the past since AO emerged last year yeah exactly and I think Ayo like looked dangerous too today mm-hmm. there's there were some moments where he he got involved and it's his first game and what since the playoffs last season right yeah. he didn't even go to any Canadians men national team camp because of the issue that he was dealing with so I think it's just really important to get his feet wet ahead of Tuesday's match where he can perhaps make a, a bigger difference and like you said, is, is Josie Alter, Iowa Akinola something we're going to see from Chris Armas moving forward? Are they going to play more together? Is Alejandro Pozuelo and Josie Alter are going to be um, the starting two that are up top? I don't really want to call them both strikers because Pozuelo will play more of his false nine. And Iowa Akinola, I think, is more of a pure striker. So when those two are, are in, I'll call them full both two strikers, but when Pozuelo's in, it's just more so of a false nine. Um, I guess moving on here, but we have a little segment that we like to do here. We're giving out some awards. And the first award I wanted to give out is the man of the match award. You can choose from either team. 
but who would you say is your man of the match from today's match? Yeah, I kind of alluded to it earlier, but I honestly think Christian Gutierrez is probably the man of the match for me. It's just like last week versus Portland, I thought he put in a really good performance, but wasn't necessarily able to bomb forward as much as he probably would have liked. They, they did something pretty interesting with him. I noticed to start the second half, he was often tucked inside a little bit like how Pep Guardiola likes to use like a, a Wow Cancelo player where he, he comes into midfield, kind of a strength in numbers and, and use, you know, his ability to play the ball that way. And, and Baldismo would kind of drag wide and left. And I thought it just seemed like he was everywhere. Like at, at times I was thinking this guy can't still be playing left back. He was, he, he stuck a tackle in on, on the edge of the, the right side of their box at one point in, in a pretty desperation moment there. And, Obviously, the ball in for the for the was it Rose? We said, yeah, the Rose yeah. goal. This poor guy, center back, scores a goal, and we can't even remember his name. It's terrible. <laughs> yeah, so for the Rose goal, he whips in a great ball there. We can say what we want about the defending, but no questions about the quality there. And so, two games, two assists. Uh, I just thought overall performance that he was he was probably the best player on the field for me. Yeah, no, that that's a good shout, and I think Gutierrez is probably someone I'd probably lean lean with you there. Uh, I thought Larea also had a, a decent game. They were going back and forth at each other, but Larea always has a decent game, so we won't give him that no. award. Um, anyone else from Toronto FC sort of stand out to you today? Any any performances? Uh, I, I liked. I know we only seen a half of them. I mean, maybe not a man of matching, but I did like a lot of what Jaden Nelson was bringing in the first half. Uh, I just like he was he was direct. He looked. He looked comfortable on the ball, and that's not necessarily something we've seen in, in MLS and in previous opportunities. Uh, again, I don't know if that was by design that he's come off for Justin Morrow because we've seen that a little bit under Armis when they're when they're sitting on a lead. But I want to see more Jaden. It was unfortunate. Like I was really hoping to see like 90 minutes, and I think that'd be a super important step in his development when he starts to get those full games. So yeah, I, I think I think Jaden deserves a shout. There's a couple times where where he. You know, he was feeling confident, he was dribbling, and, and that's not necessarily a, something that this team has a lot of, which is probably why they're bringing in the DP that they are, right? And so, yeah, mm-hmm. shout out to Jaden for, for what he was able to do in the first half. Yeah, for me, he looks like a player who definitely needs more minutes under his belt. Yeah. He looks like a player that, you know, he feels pressure to make a, an impact right away because he's seeing what other youngsters are doing on this team. and. Mm-hmm he hasn't gotten a fair opportunity to running up to this game. This is the first time we've seen Jaden Nelson this year. And it looked very obvious. Like every time he made a mistake, a poor pass, whatever, it looked like it it hurt him because he's thinking, he's looking over his shoulder wondering, you know, when is he going to get taken off kind of thing. Um, I think, again, it's just, it's learning, it's growing, growing pains for a player that young. And I think he needs more, more time under his belt because the talent is there. Very, very obvious. As Jeff says here in the comments, he, he's saying Jaden was reaching for the stars. Yeah. There were times, yeah, definitely you could t- see um, he was trying to do a little bit too much, but that's also the kind of player that Jaden is. Jaden's yeah. the type of player that that goes for for glory, and he he has that in his toolkit. He has the ability to make a difference in the match, and I just I just wish that that translates sooner rather than later into the MLS game. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, let's move on. Uh, another award that we we give out here, and I guess this is the first time we're giving it out. But who had the biggest howler for you today out of both teams? Which which player was what do you think was the poorest today? I don't want to pile on him too much, but it, it feels like Omar had enough. pile, man, pile. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not my style. It's not my style. Jeff Jeff's not here to do that today, so I'll I'll play the bad guy if you want. 
I honestly think it just based on you think about the moments of the game that you remember and you know at times it was a bit flat so it's, there's not too too many honestly but I think unfortunately for Omar today he was on the wrong end of a lot of those and for as long as he's played he's had a lot more you know positive games to, to kind of hold his hat on and so I don't I don't think he'll be sweating too much about it to be honest at this point in his career but yeah I think Omar probably stands out as the guy who you know was you know, he was on the bad end of a couple of, of pretty notable plays, to be honest. Yeah, I'd probably agree with you. I think Danny in our comments here is saying Patrick Mullins was awful today. Possession died every time he touched the ball. Yeah, I, I don't think you're wrong there. I, I think Patrick Mullins kind of struggled to connect with some of his teammates. There was one moment in particular that just stood out when TSC did really well to win the ball high up the pitch a couple of times. And the ball gets put to Patrick Mullins and he's making the wrong decision instead of passing, you know, right, right in front of him. He's trying to do a nifty, no look to Michael Bradley. That's just gets turned over. Um, that stuff will happen, but I, I don't know if Josie Altador or Iowa Canola or, you know, someone like that makes a similar play. Um, yeah. So that's a decent shout. Jeff, Jeff Shaffle Howler. I don't know if I agree with that. I don't know if I, I see eye to eye with you on that. I don't think Chris Armis does actually either because in the, his post-game presser, he was asked about, it's kind of an interesting tidbit, he was asked about Jonathan Osorio and Josie Altador and Iowa Canola, how nice it was to have those guys back. And he went through the list. He's like, yeah, so so-and-so did really well. So-and-so did really well. And then there's one more name he actually added onto that list. And that was Jacob Schaffelberg. And Chris Armis loved what he saw out of Jacob Schaffelberg. He thinks he's growing in confidence. And to me, I can't say that I disagree because, yes, the, the crosses are the worst thing in the world. He has the worst crosses on this team. It's so bad. But everything else is is absolutely fantastic from the kid. The kid's fast. He's I don't want to say just that, but he's a good dribbler and he's willing to get in behind. He's making the right runs and, and creating that option. I think we saw a lot of that from Richie Larea back in the day when he was first, you know, breaking through a Toronto FC. He was finding himself in these good positions, but he couldn't find that end product. Mm -hmm. Now, Richie Larea isn't the player he was two years ago. And I think we can both agree that Richie Larea can now have, pick his head up, find the end product. I think Jacob Schaffelberg will get there. He's 21 years old, um, and I think that's one piece of his game, one part of his game that he needs to iron out. But I don't think by any means he had a howler today. I think he was one of the players on the team that were making, uh, again, those consistent runs in behind and being an option there in the attacking the attacking third. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what did, what did you make of Schaff's performance today, Brady? I, I didn't mind it, actually. I think his game is really well suited to come off the bench just because of the work rate and that he brings. And I, we don't really know if he can sustain that over 90 minutes consistently just because he hasn't really gotten that opportunity yet. And, but I honestly think early days of Armas, I think he's probably been the biggest beneficiary of this system. He's super direct. No, his crosses are not, they're not, they're not the greatest strength of his game, but when he, when he plays it simple and he's cutting them across the box, like on the ground, that sort of thing, I think, that's when he can be super effective. But you mentioned the confidence, like to take that strike, the the ball from Delgado on the full volley and force a really good save at a Cripo. Like what a strike. Yeah. I think he's a little bit more technical than he sometimes gets credit for, but I, yeah, I think his game is really well suited to be uh, an impact sub and, and in bringing in that, that DP who is probably going to play on the left side there. I think 
Shackleberg will be a, a great option to, you know, come in at the hour mark or come in with 15 or 20 left to, to try to make a difference up top. And, and I, I think it's worth noting too, like with Pozuelo, I think he'll benefit a lot more than, than he has with this midfield trio we've seen today, just because Paz is always looking for those guys, those, those direct, those runners in behind, like you mentioned, and Delion Mullins, that, that's not really their game, right? They don't have that pace. Schaffelberg has that pace and then some. And so, until we get Pozuelo in, I think we haven't seen his, his full potential, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And I think Jeff was just saying, like, he's calling out Shaffle God is what, what we refer to him as, is for some of those crosses. And again, I, I think that's just a, a part of his game. He has to clean up, but there's so many different aspects of the game that um, go into him getting into those positions to get those crosses off. So yeah. I think we cut him some slack there, especially considering he is one of the few players on the team that are capable of doing that. And hopefully, so Soteldo's uh, one of them. I'm going to get, have to get used to pronouncing his name. Jefferson Soteldo. I guess that's what it is. Um, George here in the comments saying, uh, the howler to him was the first mini- 30 minutes of clumsy passing. Yeah, what was that? That was that was tough to watch. That was some real MLS soccer there. Um, and also, I think Carl in the chat here saying, uh, these kickoff times are ridiculous and so MLS. Yeah, a little bit different. And I think we have a 2 p.m. start and a 3 p.m. start. Uh, we're going to see a lot of Saturday Toronto FC matches. So I, I think it'd be all right if these are these are at the Lakeshore, you know, one of these days, a nice sunny day like today, um, 2 p.m., 3 p.m. start would be perfect. But when you're watching, I don't know how much fans really enjoy that. But that being said, you got a lot to compete with, too. Mm-hmm. You got a Leaf game that's going on later tonight, and I think there's a big UFC vet event as well. Yep. So you know, a jam-packed day of sports that that TFC are competing with. I don't really, in in that regard, I don't really mind this sort of time slot. One final thing that I want to talk about before wrapping up today's show, Brady, is again I mentioned him is the Jefferson Soltado. Mm-hmm. How excited are you to see what he's going to bring into Toronto FC? Yeah, I, I'm super excited. I'm sure you've probably noticed. I keep saying the DP they're bringing because I didn't want to butcher the pronunciation either because I'm just like, it, it'll come. It'll come. But no, I, I'm super excited. I mean, anybody who's seen the clips that are getting shared around on, on TFC Live Twitter, I'm sure everybody has at this point. Like, it, it's impossible not to be excited. Like, we were talking about directness and, and you know, and that, that instinct in the final third. This guy has that beyond anybody on this roster. Like, I honestly think, I've spoke to people, you know, on the beat in Santos down in Brazil, and they're telling me they they think he has the potential to be like a, a game breaker, like a top five talent in MLS. So I don't think there's anything I can say that's going to be more more impactful than that. This guy wears the number ten shirt for for a team that you know has had Neymar, has had Pele, has had all these greats. So it, it what is he twenty three years old? Like it's not like we're bringing in a guy to take away minutes from our young players because this is a young player too, right? This is a guy who wants to take this this next step in his career. I've been told that he, he specifically likes Canada, both for financial benefit and and, and just the opportunity to live in this country. So he, he's a guy who wants to come here. He's excited about the project. And I think, you know, maybe not right away. It's, it, it's a tough league a little bit sometimes to transition into. We've seen that a little bit with Paz in his first year. But with regards to his ceiling, as high as any player that that's currently on this TOC roster. Yeah, you talked about his ceiling there. And this is a guy who, who came in and wore the number 10 shirt for Santos. Yeah. And for anybody who knows anything about Brazilian football, 
that's that's a an honor beyond words uh, to be able to don that shirt because not only what Pele did there, also Neymar. Neymar wore the number ten there for Santos. So you know this is the type of of player that they were hoping to bring in when they first brought him in, mm-hmm. and TFC have a steal here. TFC have an absolute steal. Bill Manning and Alec Curtis did, I think they did a fantastic job working the market. They're getting a player who, quite frankly, on the very, very cheap end, mm-hmm. 6.5, 6000000 whatever the reported fee is for this player, yeah. is an absolute steal. Transfer market alone has him rated at 8.5, 8800000 million, something like that. Yeah. And he's 23 years old. Mm-hmm. I think that's an important reason why Santos kept that 12.5% sell-on fee. Um, and he it looks like he's very two-footed as well. Yeah. Two-footed. And that's a great question from George here in our chat. What what uh, what available number do we have for Soteldo to wear? That's a good question, George. And I was wondering the same thing. Um, obviously, Jaden took number 11. Pause is number 10, and that's not going to be changing. Mm-hmm. Jaquiel took number 7. Eric Sangaiardo wears number nine. Mark Mark Delgado wears number eight. What what do we think uh, Soltado's going to wear? That's a good question because it was really important for him to go into Santos and wear that number ten shirt. Um, and I, I, your guess is good as good as mine right now, George. To be completely honest with you, that's that's a story we'll have to we'll have to wonder. Jeff's saying he will get nine. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, that's some disrespect, Jeffrey. He could actually, you know, in hockey, if like a new player gets traded, they'll they'll go to like uh, if he's like sporting a, a number for his entire career, they'll go to like the team and they'll ask him, ask a certain player to give up that number. I think specifically, just off the top of my head, if, if, with the Leafs game coming up, I think when Patrick Marlowe came to the Leafs and he was number twelve his entire career, mm. I think it was Connor Brown who gave up his number twelve for Patrick Marlowe, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah, if I, I am, that, yeah. that's pretty good. I'd say he got a pretty good payday, and and with the cash that Soltado's got uh, coming his way, maybe Gallardo is due for a little bonus check as well for that number nine shirt. But no one one last shout on him is just like from what I've heard about his game is his greatest strength is his ability to go one on one. And when you look at this TFC roster right now, save for for Richie, they don't have a lot of guys that that's necessarily one of their strengths. And so in that mind like i think this is exactly the type of player they needed to bring in to to give something different to that attack and so say for all the the covid and quarantine that sort of thing all those logistical loops i'm just so excited to see you know him get in and, and get that opportunity and the fact that they're in the middle of the season hopefully fitness wise the transition will be will be a little bit uh, quicker than usual mm-hmm. very very <laughs> atomic ant-esque um jefferson is seba's long long Mike. Sorry, Brady. I left you hanging there for a second. No <laughs> uh, Jefferson is Seba's long lost brother, smaller version of the atomic ant. <laughs> great comment there. Uh, great, great comment. Um, and I agree. Like, I think this, when I first saw Sultana, I'm like, not only because of his size, mm-hmm. but also because he's very two footed. His touches are very tight, and he has it in his locker to hit an absolute screamer. Um, he's very good with his with uh, on free kicks, which is something that TFC desperately, desperately need. And if he can provide a threat off a set piece, that's just another you know weapon for TFC to score. 
apparently he fits in very well under Armistice system, which is something we'll have to wait and see if if that holds true. Mm-hmm. But he's pacey. He's he's been called out in the past for his defensive work rate by his former coach, and apparently that like awoke something in him, and he by all accounts, is very responsible defensively. I want to see, again, MLS is a very physical league he, for his stature. I want to see how he could, he sort of uh, measures up there. But he's a stocky, stocky individual too, a strong individual. So I'm excited to see uh, this come to fruition. Hopefully we get him, get him in the lineup sooner rather than later. And just one more tidbit on that is he won't count as a young designated player for Toronto FC. For those of you who are wondering, he turns 24 in June, so in order to count as a young designated player, you have to be 23 or under um, for the entire season. So that won't be the case. He'll be a regular designated player, but it sounds like he's going to sign a multi-year deal here with TFC and be locked up for sort of the long-term future. So hey, they, they got their guy, and I'm excited about that. On that note, Brady, I think it's time that we wrap up this show. Um, thank you very much for joining me today. And again, we're talking about a 2-2 TFC draw against the Vancouver Whitecaps. Uh We'll take it at this point, especially looking ahead to Tuesday, because I think I, I'll speak for everyone here. All of our attention right now is on that CCL match. And I want to see what TSC do against Cruz Azul. A late start, I think a 10-15 start. So just heads up for that. And thank you for to Jeff specifically for you know loading in all those clips for us and, and the graphics and everything like that. Huge help there, Jeff. Can't can't thank you enough there. Um and you know, shout out Footy Talks and everything that they do behind the scenes. Thank you, Kevin, Sophia, and Edwin. I'll thank you again on this show. Um, you guys are great. Keep up the great work. And if you, anyone in the comments here, you guys see any improvements, anything you guys want to, you know, improve, see us improve upon, do anything different, just let us know because this is a work in progress, obviously. But more content for TFC, the better, especially something like this where we can dive right in and break down the games, right? So like, thank you, everyone, for in the comments. You guys were great again today. And until hopefully Tuesday, we'll see. Maybe it might be a little bit too late to do a post-game show then, but <laughs> maybe the day after or something like that. But if not, we'll see you guys next week. Thanks for, uh, thanks for tuning in, everybody. We really, really appreciate it.